Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Monday, April the 10th, 2023. Um, a few weeks ago, I did a show with Edward Lee, um, an author and an advocate of what's known now in uh, Silicon Valley as Web3. New book he has out called Creators Take Control, How NFTs Revolutionize Art, Business and Entertainment. We had a good, as the diplomats would say, frank discussion of whether these NFTs are for real. Um, a lot of people are still confused. NFTs, for those of you who don't know, refers to something called non-fungible tokens. I'm intrigued why Lee's notion of technology freeing creators, empowering them. I'm hopeful. Um, but there's so much else about Web3. I'm suspicious that it's speculative uh, at best and sometimes not with Edward, but with others slightly fraudulent. But we're returning to this space, to Web3 and NFTs um, today uh, with my guest, who is the CEO of a new online initiative um, called Collectors.com with an E-U-R-S. It's all about making art public. Its CEO and founder is my guest, Evrim Oralkan. He's joining us from New York City. Uh, Evrim, uh, for those of our audience who don't know what an nft is perhaps you might explain it or at least in your mind what it means and why it's so important from the point of view of of the creative class uh i mean nfts are uh, a documentation of a digital object and um, you know that gives it a proof of ownership um i'm not going to say it is extremely important um you know, because I want to look at it from a different perspective. I don't want to bother myself with NFTs, um, but rather I want to look at the technology that we call blockchain and smart contracts. Your um, collectors operates on something called Algorand, uh, which claims to be the world's most scalable blockchain ecosystem. Explain them why blockchains are such a big deal and why they're the foundation of what you're doing at collectors.com collector um, for us i just want to give a little bit of history of who we are what we are doing just very briefly because i think it's really important we're a pbc a public benefit corporation our mission is to give the public access to millions of unseen artworks in storage facilities and in private homes uh we the platform is also known as a museum of uh, private collections. Uh, we started in 2015. We're not a very uh, new uh, outlet, uh, so to say. So, um, you know, we provide a collection management tool with an integrated social network that allows collectors to digitize, organize, manage, and present their collections. We've been doing this for uh, a while before blockchain uh, was. So you, you, you said you were a, a PVB. PBC. PBC. And is that a, a uh, is that a, a formal legal entity or is that just a term yes. to describe what no, you're it doing? Is a, for, it's a legal entity. So it's you're not. No, so you're. What's the difference between a PBC and a nonprofit? So we are for profit, uh, but we do have to have a charter and report 
what we do for the public every year um, and in, in a report. So in a charter like ours, uh, shareholders are equally important as uh, the public uh, and vice versa. Uh, so this gives us an opportunity to uh, protect the platform and the interest of the public if uh, investors uh, try to do things that we don't want to do. What does PBC stand for again? Public, public Benefit Corporation. And who decides, though, what benefits the, the public? You? We do. We do make those decisions. I mean, it's a, you know, Kickstarter uh, became a, a public benefit corporation later on. Etsy is a public benefit corporation. Uh, Patagonia is. There are uh, quite a lot of uh, examples out there uh, in the blockchain world. There are a few, not a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, we do make the decision, but we are, um, you know, I think what makes us different is, uh, is that we do run with the uh, morals and uh, mission of a nonprofit uh, with the goal of uh, creating responsible and sustainable uh, revenue. Yeah, I mean, some people might be listening to this um, or watching everyone and thinking, well, these people just want to have every, they want their, their moral cake and they want their money too. They want to feel good and they want to be for profit. Why are you a for profit? Why not just be a non-profit and be well, a, a PBC at the same yeah, time? Yeah, great question. Uh, we really don't think very highly of the uh, nonprofit model. Unfortunately, it is very easy to control uh, the board, uh, you know, because your entire business is to raise funds. Uh, and, you know, the board is, is dictates what you do later on. So we feel like, you know, our mission is so big. I mean, it covers such a, a massive issue in the art world. Uh, those in the NFT world don't, don't really understand perhaps, but, you know, there are more than 100 million artworks that are uh, being stored in storage facilities. Uh, you know, the largest museum in the world is the Lure, which has about 380,000 artworks. The Geneva Freeport alone has more than 1.3 million artworks. So in order to achieve our mission, we want to stay independent. We really want to bring our vision to life uh, without the influences uh, or the distractions or the obstacles that are being created by investors and otherwise. Well, you mentioned museums, the Louvre, for example. I mean, that's a publicly owned museum. No one's making right. money out of it. So... Isn't, aren't museums themselves, by definition, whether it's the Louvre, National Gallery in London, um, aren't they public spaces? What, what's the need for collectors? How are they adding to the idea of the museum? So, you know, they're public spaces, uh, but they're only able to show 5% of what they have in, in uh, their uh, collection as well. So, you know, we don't really like this uh, nonprofit model of uh, an institution. Again, as I mentioned, it is really easy. I to mean, when you say about. we, who are you speaking we, on behalf of? It's a collective uh, as a platform, I always say. Um, we, we're so it's really you, not we. You, yes. everyone, don't, don't approve of that. So you don't approve of museums? Of the Louvre or the National Gallery? Of, or I don't approve of the model, the nonprofit model. Um, for so should the Louvre be for profit? Are you suggesting that they should be for profit? I think they could do more to create um, sustainable revenue models. Absolutely. And who, just as a matter of interest in the Louvre, who, who would make the money? The people running the company? Um, I mean, the beauty, I mean, isn't the beauty of public museums is they're often free and, and usually radically subsidized so everyone has access to them 
but it is not free. I mean, you know, the museums are very expensive to enter, uh, you know, so they are actually uh, building revenue models. There's a shop, they're selling works, they're selling editions, they're selling even the works themselves uh, in an exhibition. So they're not necessarily a nonprofit. They are being run as a business at the same time, uh, but they're not chartered as one. So your goal is sort of working off this Web3 platform off, off the blockchain is to make art public. You're suggesting that art, at least in the current museum model, isn't public. What are you doing that museums aren't doing? I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. So, you know, the, the museums are, are unable to show uh, 5%, more than 5% of what they have at one time. So what we do is we provide the collection management tool for collectors to digitize and then to present to the public to sell stories. We do, uh, we organize uh, exhibitions with curators, uh, museum level, museum quality um, exhibitions to bring these works within context into the view of the public and tell stories that matter um, through, through these works. So uh, we're, we're a storytelling platform you could call it as well. So again, you, you brought up the Louvre. You're suggesting what 95% of what the Louvre owns in artwork is not displayed. Is that the problem? Well, that is part of the problem, uh, but the real problem is the private collections uh, for us. Those are public institutions, but what we are really concerned with is the private collections, which is you know, in the primary market when the artist or the gallery sells the work and the collector um, acquires the work, it usually uh, goes to a storage facility uh, or a free port, which are uh, you know, tax-free zones. Okay, so, so I get it. So uh, a private collector will acquire a piece of art, some photography, right. a sculpture, and then store it because it's essentially an investment. Is that right? Yes, correct. For a lot of people. And so what, so what you're doing is providing a platform that will allow collectors to display their work to the public. And yes, give the public access to these works because they disappear from the view of the public. But these are, of course, only in digital form, not physically. It is in digital form, but as we approach the digital art uh, era more, I think uh, it is going to be... Uh, you know, going to place the platform in a very interesting position. And then how does the NFT piece or the blockchain piece fit into all this? So Artworld for so long had its own problems with transparency, provenance, access to things, fakes. Uh, we've been interested in using blockchain to solve these problems for collectors since 2018. Uh, recently, we launched Collectors X. It's a digital space that aims to create a new ethical culture-based response to NFTs uh, and also... What do you mean ethical? Uh, you mean ethical, that most of it isn't ethical? Uh, well, which is where I'm going to get to. Uh, yes, most of the things are not ethical, unfortunately. I mean, really strange things have started to happen in 2020. Uh, you know, this strange phenomenon of selling JPEGs popped its head through the uh, highly publicized um, uh, you know, introduction of NFTs, which was... Um, which basically provided a digital certificate of ownership for images that mostly lacked any cultural significance. So there was no way of escaping the news. NFTs were all the rage. Every media outlet in the world urged their readers to start exploring and join the gold rush. 
uh, NFTs and art were being utilized as a financial and speculative instrument. Um, the art world, you know, including us, uh, could not believe how these numbers and revenues were being generated. I mean, it really did not make any sense. Who were these artists? Most importantly, who were these collectors? Who was funding these positive news articles about NFTs telling the entire world how great they were? Uh, an entirely new industry, uh, supposedly worth billions, was created in a matter of weeks. Uh, these NFT platforms that popped overnight with brand new website had communities of millions of people. How and when did they onboard this many people? Uh, were they even real users? Uh, you know, these are some of the questions I have and we can answer together if you like. Uh, you, you, you suggested then, and I'm quoting you here, the art world might be the only industry left, uh, rest in peace, music and publishing that hasn't been disrupted by Silicon Valley by taking control of the infrastructure ourselves. We're hoping to keep art and the revenue it generates in the hands of people who create and appreciate its cultural value. So, so what exactly are you doing that innate, that simultaneously disrupts uh, the art world and at the same time keeps the revenue in the hands of the people who create and appreciate it? So, yeah, I, I want to take it to this, uh, I want to put something else uh, in here before I answer that question very quickly. Uh, the reports started to show, I mean, after a while, the NFT traders were engaging in these wash trading. Uh, it's the act of buying and selling a security uh, in a way to fool the market, right? This was once commonplace in Wall Street and yeah. has been illegal for nearly a century. It's a kind of a Ponzi scheme where more and more right. people pile in and in the end, the price crashes and the right. last investors are left with the bill. Right. I want to add this, though. NFT traders were selling themselves their own AI-generated JPEGs to drive up prices. In, in a, there was a report released by Chainalysis uh, that tracked instances of some of these, uh, these traders, the same traders selling the same art NFTs back and forth at least 25 times. So, you know, a significant portion of the public was convinced to sell their homes, their cars, and other valuables to purchase NFTs. This, this came with the paid celebrity endorsements uh, who are now being sued also as well. Um, you know, not soon after the NFT started to lose value. And at that moment, it was obvious that this was a get rich uh, quick scheme. Um, what these platforms and their backers didn't understand was the price can't just continue to go up based on demand and supply. They needed to create cultural value. And they totally missed that. In the art world, prices of successful artists are always backed with cultural value. So that's that's one of the things that they missed. And we're trying to fill in all the gaps that they have left in there. Uh, but you know, it soon became clear that part of this complex and ambitious strategy of NFTs and marketing it to the public was to take over the art ma market, if not the art world. Uh, art world is perhaps still the only domain, as, as you mentioned, that I said, uh, and I totally believe that is uh, maybe the only domain that Silicon Valley have been unable to dominate. Uh, their thinking was simple. They were going to attract the artists to join the, uh, uh, these newly minted NFT platforms by offering them 90% or more uh, of the uh, sales of the artworks. And Silicon Valley funded platforms thought that if they offered large commissions, prominent artists would eventually leave their galleries 
that took 50% of the sales and they would join these platforms. They really, they really believed this would work. Uh, but anyone who knows the art world, how it works, would laugh at this because galleries are a very important part of the art ecosystem and they do provide enormous benefits to the artists. Uh, these platforms tried to establish ties to the art world afterwards, uh, but they were not able to because the reasons were their careless ecological impact and their complete lack of respect for culture. So the crypto market crashed. Uh, pictures of monkeys will probably uh, forever be a symbol of the failed NFT market at this uh, point. But, you know, we're trying to fill in this gap with culture, telling stories, uh, turning them into exhibitions, uh, commissioning works that are, um, you know, trying to create a positive impact on society. So how are you making money? As you say, you on collectors.com, you offer different kinds of exhibitions. I want to talk about some of the artists. Uh, you claim to be uh, making artistic dreams a reality from the point of view of artists and from the point of view of collectors making your collection shine. What are you doing that's different from these other speculators? Great. Uh, so for artists uh, and for collectors, we do have actually courses that we produce with uh, art world experts and luminaries uh, over the past year and a half, almost two years. Um, you know, these are all available. Plus, there are courses that we also are uh, putting in place. Uh, in about a month, there will be mentorship sessions, video one-on-one -on -one calls uh, with, uh, again, art world experts that are going, that's going to allow uh, artists and collectors to uh, ask the questions in, in this, uh, that they are unable to find the answers for. Art world runs on opa opacity, as you know, and one of the biggest uh, problems for the art world, as I mentioned, is the lack of transparency and the lack of knowledge uh, that would uh, get you ahead. So this is something that we're trying to remedy. Uh, you know, blockchain is just one part of it. For us, uh, we do want to make the art world uh, sufficient and, uh, you know, uh, progressive. You claim that um, you're, you want to keep the art world public, but you're a for-profit. Presumably, you have some sort of business model. You're charging someone, whether it's a collector or, um, or, or the public. There's some sort of entrance fee here. Uh, so, so what makes you any more public than anyone else? Of course. So on that same page that you were just uh, showing at the bottom of it, we uh, list uh, how we are making our uh, profits. Uh, so we do charge a 5% uh, fee on any of the dabs, as we call them. We uh, scrapped the term NFT. We replaced it with dabs, digital artworks on blockchain. It doesn't matter what you call it. You're still charging yes. your 5%. Yes, we are. Of course. Of course. And, so why are you any more public than anyone else? What do you mean by public? Why well, you're the one who uses the term public. You talk about mm -hmm. um, keeping the art world public. You sort mm -hmm. of you you claim that you're yes. you're you're making uh, you know the front page making art public. So you're one way or the other trading off the the, the word public, and yet you seem. But I mean, it's not a criticism. Most no no no, it's a private, and therefore, as you say, you're a for-profit company. How are you in any way? more public than anyone else, any but other again, private startup. I think, I, I think the difference between our platform and many others in the art world 
is that we are focused on the works that get into private collections. So we are making those public because otherwise they disappear, go into a storage facility, as I have uh, explained with the examples of uh, the, the free ports and the storage facilities. Well, you're not really making them public, though. You're making them accessible on collectors.com. Right. There's a difference between accessible that and making public, it public. Accessible to the public. There is no paywall. There is but, but, no... but you could argue that you know Mark Zuckerberg used to make that argument about Facebook or TikTok or Instagram. Making These are all private companies that trade on off their off the fetish of the public space, which but, mm. but are actually private. Uh, I mean, not a lot is private about how we do things. So you know. I don't know how else to answer that, but we are trying to bring it to the view of the public. I mean, this has been one of the biggest criticisms. No, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I think so what you're is doing is, is fine. Yeah. It's just when people claim to be doing something that, to me at least, is just mm -hmm. another example of private companies using the idea of publicness to, to sell themselves. Let's uh, and how do you make your money then? You said that beneath... So there's um, a 5% fee on, uh, on uh, the digital artworks on blockchain dApps uh, for, um, for whenever it's sold uh, for the first time. And there is a, a smaller percentage. I think it's about 1%. So you, uh, so you charge the collectors to digitalize, secure, and then display their work. Correct. Correct. And then there is a... Uh, a subscription for the courses that I mentioned, although there are some free courses that are available to the public and to artists as well. Um, that's also another revenue model and the mentorship video calls, as I mentioned to you, is another uh, model. Uh, but our mostly our uh, business model is uh, around uh, the, the blockchain and uh, creating these works, putting them on chain and uh, yeah. So if a, if a collector, a wealthy collector buys a photograph and then makes it private, owns it, puts it in a vault somewhere, um, you you offer to display that to a public and you charge the collector. Does the photographer see any of the the money that the that the collector pays you? Uh, because that's one of the problems I think with the digital revolution so far is that creators have been. Uh, knocked out of the process. They're no longer players. They, 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 they make their photograph or their piece of music or their story. But then in terms of the economic exchange, they're marginal at most. Are you reintroducing them into the equation? It's, certainly we are. And we are doing it in this way. So we just mentioned that dabs the digital artworks on blockchain uh, there is another aspect to this i mean those are digital works but we're talking about physical works that are in existence and these hundred million plus works uh, for that we are working on physical artworks on blockchain right paths what we call uh, so in this we obviously these works are already in secondary market the artist is not involved, uh, it's sold, and he never sees any, any benefit out of the resale of these works. Uh, but with our plan, what, what we're trying to do is trying to get the collectors to get these works verified by the artists and the galleries uh, that they purchase from, including them into the smart contract and putting them on chain, making it visible to the public, and also generating uh, profits for 
uh, or at least a commission for the artists and the gallery. Uh, you know, artists are uh, unable to get these. Uh, and also the galleries. I mean, there is a real problem in the art world with the emerging or smaller galleries. When they discover artists, they usually spend about a decade or more to uh, get well, make them well-known, uh, you know, elevate their career and when they do the artists usually jump ship and goes to they go to the uh, blue chip galleries or the larger galleries so at that point the gallery has no um, way of uh, making their investment back that they put in the artists uh, for all those years so this is a solution for the art ecosystem that's how we designed it the collector gets a uh, by putting it on the blockchain, these physical works, pads, uh, by putting them on the blockchain, gets uh, gets it validated. It's an authentic uh, object that is not fake, uh, that is verified by the gallery and the artist. So they get entered on the smart contract and they get, uh, if they, the work is, is ever sold in the future, they collect a percentage from the, uh, the profits. It all sounds to me, though, more like web two than web three web three is supposed to be open so be it um so be it. I, I mean all you know, your, your, your what you're doing is creating a, a platform that you're the center of that you own all the exchanges you probably own the images do you um no no but no the artist owns the copyright always i mean there is no there is no way around that it's always the artist copyright you know, but artists do want their works to be seen. I mean, that's. But you, know, but you are. But, but this is a. This is a business that's. Um, that's not. Again, I keep on coming back to this word public. It's not open. It's. It's. It's a walled garden. It, uh, is, and, it is. It is open, and I would argue against that because it is. When you put it on the blockchain, they could take the smart contract elsewhere whenever they want to. So it is not mine. The copyright is the artist. If they want to take it away to another platform, to elsewhere on the on the blockchain, even to another blockchain, they could very easily do that. So in a way, yes, it is public. And I'm not, I'm not in any shape or form in control of it. You've got some interesting uh, partners um, on the platform. Uh... Torbin Roadland, uh, an interesting Norwegian photographer. Uh, you've got a um, you've got a Kim Gordon, who many uh, viewers and listeners will remember, uh, was the, the the guitarist and vocalist of Sonic Youth. Tell me a little bit more about some of the the artists, the creators who are uh, on Collectors. So I want to go start with this. Uh, the platform started as a platform for collectors to bring their works, uh, organize it, digitize it, and share it, present it to the world. Um, but when they create an artwork, when they add an artwork to their collection to manage it, to digitize it, uh, there is an artwork page, artist page created. So uh, we recently opened the platform up to artists to come and take control of these pages as well. Uh, so artists can come in and, uh, and I'm gonna go back to Torbjorn and Kim, are incredible but artists can come in and control the, add their own works from their studio or if they're collecting any works as a collector they could add those so a place for an artist to uh, see the works from galleries we also have gallery accounts on the platform galleries from the galleries works from private collections 
uh, works from their studio and the works that the artist is collecting. So this has been very appealing to a lot of collector, uh, to, to a lot of artists. Torbjorn is an incredible uh, photographer. Uh, we're blessed that he chose to work with us. Um, you know, he's always provocative, always uh, challenging the system, which is also what we believe. Uh, you know, we are collect connected at a different level with the artists that are on our platform. You know, we've been. Uh, on Instagram for quite a while, even though it's harder uh, lately. But we we have an incredible presence for uh, years now that we challenge the society and the norms. So artists know that. I mean, we we have not we're not a platform that is fully funded, uh, you know, and it came from uh, top to bottom. We uh, grew this inch by inch for uh, for at this point eight years uh so we earned the respect of a lot of artists you know uh, you know kim gordon being there uh torbjorn rodlan being there hans ulri obrist and yeah i know and, uh, and hank willis and, uh, thomas is another artist you have on an interesting young man yes and he, it's 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 an incredible um honor for us that they chose to help us because we're not paying them the, the, the rates that they are able to get elsewhere. They choose to do it with us because they want to support us. They believe in what we're doing. And that's that's really the most important thing for us. We can go slow, but we are very sure uh, about the direction and, and the destination that we want to be at. And you're also working with museums. I know there's a Turkish museum, um, Odin Pazari uh, Modern Museum in Turkey. Um, how are you working with museums? So it's interesting. Odun Pazar is actually a collection, right? You know, that turned into a museum. Museums are usually, uh, they come, their history is uh, in, a, in a private collection, a uh, majority of them, even the Whitney Museum, right? It's, uh, it just happened. So the focus was American art and then it turned into a museum. I mean, uh, you know, they are collectors actually, and they choose to use our platform to uh, speak to the public, uh, speak, uh, network, and uh, you know, interact with other collectors. And you know, that that's really the the direction. There are lots of prominent uh, private collections from Europe and from America uh, that are museums uh, in their own right. So yes. Uh, they believe in the mission as well. I mean, the mission in the art world, I, I know it didn't sound so uh, important to you, making art public, but, you know, when uh, when even the artists don't know where their works are, it is a very uh, big mission. It's a very important mission that I feel blessed to have uh, this mission uh, on my side. And the mission wasn't there from the first day when we started the platform, when we joined the new museum's uh, uh, incubator in New York uh, in 2017, uh, that mission became clear. That was a very, very uh, intense year of uh, soul searching and asking ourselves why we're doing. And that, that was a groundbreaking moment. The, the, these works disappearing from the public's view and even from their creators and bringing them into the view of the public and benefiting the creators and, and everyone yeah, else. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting... I it's it's complicated because on the one hand someone might say well if i'm a photographer and i sell my photograph to someone they pay good money for it i choose to sell it they have every right to it they can do whatever they like uh but i i i take your point what rights do you think artists have after their work is sold 
They really don't. And that's what we're trying. Well, no, to do. I understand they don't formally in legal terms, but morally, what right should it should an artist have the right? I mean, couldn't they write that into the contract? They can say, well, you can have this painting, you can have this photograph, uh, but you have to show it to the world. You're not allowed to just um, keep it in a vault. And if, if you choose to do that, then I'm not selling it to you. Yeah, I mean, so they disappeared. They don't have a lot of rights. They have the copyright, uh, but they also have the right in the art world, at least, to disown a work. Uh, they uh, they sometimes do when the collectors that uh, bought the works are doing things that the artist doesn't believe in. Uh, so they do that. So, but this is, in a way, they do it. They announce it to the public through art media or other means. Uh, they let the world know they that is no longer their work. Uh, but at the same time, there is no legal. The work is still there. The the person uh, can still sell it. But at the same time, blockchain can provide that uh, veto rights. And you know, this this is something. Uh, you know, the NFTs actually. You know, are, are great in one sense. They brought these, uh, um, you know, benefits uh, to the uh, collectors. Uh, sorry, to the artists. Uh, this resale rights, but this this is nothing new. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that uh, making, uh, uh, you know, advocating. Uh, for artists uh, is, is something since 1970s when curator and art dealer uh, Seth Sigalov published the Artists Reserved Rights Transfer and Sale Agreement, it, which was a document that attempted to define and advocate for artists' rights in the resale economy. They mentioned, I mean, except for the resale rights, this is a 1971 document. They also, they, he did it with an uh, uh, lawyer, that's why I say they, uh, they also asked for veto rights, which is, I think, another incredible thing that uh, should exist, and blockchain can make that happen. Let's end with a return to the issue of, 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 of public space. We did a show a year or two ago with Talia Stroud, who's a very open advocate. She's an academic based in Texas on redesigning the internet to function like a public park, mm. public space. You're a, a digital entrepreneur. You have to. You can only work with what you have. Is, is that a an attractive vision in the art world, um, Evren, to to transform the art world so that it functions like a public park? Publicly, every entity will tell you yes, they agree, and it should be. However, the art world revolves around secrecy, and that is precisely what needs to change. Um, you know, to, in order to create a, a model that is going to be fair for everyone, uh, that is not, uh, you know, as Oscar, uh, as artist uh, Oscar Santillan uh, says, that, uh, you know, art world doesn't have to be a poverty-making machine. So, yes, I do believe that art should be public, art should be seen. Uh, but, you know, in, in, I think here's the problem. You know, the old generation that is still in power somehow sees value increasing with scarcity still. You know, when they hide their German collectors are really well known for hiding the photographs after they purchase so nobody else can see, so they could pull it out in the future and it becomes super valuable. And in the meantime, they keep collecting. But I think we've passed that stage. I think the real value is now being created by how many people are talking about this artwork. So I think when the mindset shifts, 
things will change in the art world as well. But I'm all for public. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, what's the point? <laughs>